Today is Tuesday, July 28th, 2020, time for episode 118 of the Barnhart Podcast. I think the last time we recorded a podcast was right before the external solemnity of the 4th of July, and uh, there seems to have been no shortage of fireworks, especially in Portland, for crying out loud. Um, it's it's weird how, how the leftists are saying, no, it's peaceful protests, and yeah, you know, such a peaceful world we have right now. Um, I don't suppose there's any real news outside of Portland and just the whole world coming to an end. You know, Second American Civil War in pretty much underway. Um, hard to deny that. And um, it's going to continue to get worse. I just saw one of the most chilling things I've yet seen in this whole um, in this whole collapse. I just saw a video that someone sent me of a boomer Karen in a grocery store screaming at a mother and her two tiny, tiny little kids, like toddler kids, look to be maybe like two, two and four or something like that. And this boomer Karen screams at this woman and these children, I hope you die. I hope you die. Because the little, the little tinies aren't wearing um, uh, Sharia Masonic face diapers. Middle age, uh, not middle aged. Um, you know, the woman's probably in her seventies. Boomer, screaming at tiny, tiny children. I hope you die. I hope you die. And you, you look at that and you say, well, I can, I can now fully, fully get my mind around how it is going to come to pass that there are going to be eventually. Um, mob-driven public executions, and it's going to be seventy-five-year-old white women who are who are will be the ones screaming for people's blood and screaming for executions, beheadings, hangings, however it is that they that they choose to execute us when the time comes. Um, you can see it; it's it's un it's unfolding clearly in real time right now, and it's. You know, from a objective intellectual point, it's not entirely surprising to me that it that a lot of this is being driven by middle aged and older white ethnically Christian women who are going to be who are going to be the force behind all of this, and that, that that's an entire fascinating sociological conversation in and of itself is about what what is the role historically of women um, behind you know, satanic things like this, like the French Revolution. And and a fascinating discussion is also the role of women in Islam and in jihad, that a lot of times with these suicide bombers, it's their mother, their mother, who drives them in to, to um, doing a suicide bombing. Fascinating, fascinating conversation to be had there. But we're we're doing a quick snack pack tonight, so we'll, we'll probably we should probably jump into our listed topics that we have on deck. Yeah, I, I don't have a level of preparation ready for uh, what what I would consider a full blown podcast. But you know, we've said that before and end up going for two and a half hours. So That's we'll just, right. <laughs> Famous well, last words. <laughs> and, and of course, the, the the one time that I I thought I had um, you know three hours worth of content, I blew through it in like thirty minutes. So it's like who knows? Who knows? Uh, I got a question through analog media. Uh, well, actually, just face to face talking Whoa. to somebody recently, and and uh, this is a perfect ask Anne question. Um, and, and and she said this would be a great question for Anne to answer. I'd, be, I'd love to know how how she would say this. And it kind of goes a little bit with the Karen Revolution here. What do you think the church is going to look like in five to ten years? Um, if there is no, if there's supernatural intervention, it will be the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, and there will be some sort of a restoration underway, or miraculously already happened, such that it will be better than it has ever been in the past 2000 years, which is something that I admit that I would very, very much like to see. And I have made our Lord aware of this on many, many, many occasions in prayer. Um, but five to 10 years, if there is no, um, if there is no supernatural intervention, um, I think that the true church will be almost entirely hidden and the only thing that that there will be and what will occupy all of the real estate as we've talked about will be the anti-church and i would suspect that 5 to 10 years from now without supernatural intervention that the anti-church at that point 
will will be such that there won't be that there won't be valid masses or many 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 of them won't be valid which it's, it's still the case now that if you can find one i mean if you if you can publicly attend a novus ordo mass most of them most of them are still valid now that's not saying that they're they're good or they're something that we should just shrug our shoulders and say that's acceptable that's good enough no of course not but they're valid the, it's a it's a binary objective question does our lord come down on the altar or does he not yes or no that's the question of validity the question of lyseity is 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 something else obviously um i think we're going to be into a territory and th- this is what's going to be really tough for a lot of us cuz i i go into novus ordo churches and and pray before the tabernacle i know super nerd you and your family you have a novus ordo adoration chapel that that you guys frequent um the thought well, the adoration that, chapel looks awfully traditional and and I think I've sent you some pictures of that before oh, it, yeah, it is it's absolutely beautiful, beautiful. but the, but the mass that, that that the host is consecrated in is a Novus Ordo mass so yeah I try not to think about that to be honest well but that's that's the case and that's the case for most of us you know and so what what chills me is the thought that we're probably going to gradually start losing the ability to just pop into any Catholic church and, you know, not go into Novus Ordo Mass, but our Lord's in the tabernacle and, and we can visit our Lord. And and even if there's even adoration in, in Novus Ordo um, adoration chapels or, or if they do adoration on the high altar, hey, I mean, it's is he there or is he not? The answer, the answer still now in God's mercy is yes, he is. What's worrying to me is that 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 presence. I mean, look at what has happened just with the reduction in the massive reduction in the number of public masses, even Novus Ordo masses that are being offered. I mean, it's it's been said, who was it? Uh, was it? Oh, Padre Pio, I think, who said that, you know, the. Without the mass, the universe could not could not continue to exist. Basically, you know, and people will say, "Oh, you know, pious pious exaggeration, pious hyperbole." Um, no, no. Look what happens when the entire Western Church is put under interdict, and all of these Novus Ordo priests. Please, these guys these guys aren't saying saying mass privately alone. It, it, the whole point of mass for them is to do a public, uh, to do a public show. It's their show, and so if there's nobody there, what? Why would they? Why would they say mass? Whereas trad priests say their mass every day, and a lot, a, a lot of them say it privately, even even before this happened. I mean, if you're if you're if there's three priests in a trad parish and they only have two public masses per day, that means one of the priests that day said his mass publicly, or excuse me, said his, said his mass privately. Um, so the number the number of masses that's been offered has dropped off the cliff since March, and the world is descending into absolute total satanic chaos such that 75 year old white Christian women in the middle of the United States are screaming at toddlers. I hope you die. I hope you die. Um, it's uh, these, these things are, are correlated. Now imagine, now imagine taking away our Lord's real presence from X percentage of the tabernacles in the world. It's um, it's all happening. It's all happening. It's why we stay confessed. I think the Padre Pio quote was that the earth could sooner exist without the sun than without the mass. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Well done. Yep. Yep. And we're living it. So if the previous, if the former example is what really is going to happen in the next five to 10 years, the the triumph of the Immaculate Heart, which um, it's going to probably get energetic and kinetic if that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine the Chinese are not going to sit idly by while all that happens. Oh, no. Uh, they seem to have a vested interest in in driving things sideways and backwards at this point. Uh, if it if it does go into a situation where the church and anti church split, and we have a question of do we even have valid any masses anymore? Uh, do we even have the real presence? Then you get into another situation for 
the the I'm sure what China is is the prelude for the rest of the world. Those people who are truly Catholic are going to be the illegal underground Catholics. Well, exactly. And, and the official yeah. church will be the, ironically, the schismatic church following whatever happens. Um, but then that gets to another question that that uh, was raised. How will young people meet and fall in love and get married now? They won't. And that's the entire point. Um, part of this is you've noticed that one of the one of the stated platforms of the Black Lives Matter um, thing is the destruction of the nuclear family. They, I do want to interject one point there. Um, yeah. when, when it comes to Black Lives Matter, there's another podcast that I've been listening to. I've been sending you links and highly suggesting you listen to. Mm-hmm. And um, the host there, it's Mo Facts with Adam Curry. And it's a black dude and a white dude talking about race issues. And mm-hmm. it's more of an education. I never took a black history um, course in, in college, but I've read a lot of history books. And and uh, I'm strongly planning. I, I think I'm probably going to donate to the show because I'm learning more about American history from the perspective of black from, for black America than I ever knew was even out there to be learned. Wow. But one of the one of the points of clarification they make is they don't say Black Lives Matter. They say Black Lives Matter Inc. In other words, people who believe all lives or Black Lives Matter, that's different from the organization bootstrapped by Soros called Black Lives Matter. Ah, and those point. are Marxists. There are genuine, I mean, it, it, we, we, make the, we make the comparison about the church, that the church and the anti-church live in the same juridical structure. Uh, by having one of the, I guess, mar- strokes of diabolical genius here is that you get honest people who say, yes, Black Lives do matter who are mixed in with all these Marxists and radical revolutionaries who mm-hmm. are part of Black Lives Matter, Inc., who are doing this as a business. They are trained Marxists. Uh, yeah. if I, I'll have to see if I can find that link of, of the person who said that. But uh, And the, and, and do, do they, do, does Mofax and Adam Curry, do they talk about the fact that the upper echelon and all the leadership of Black Lives Matter, Inc. is all a bunch of white people? Do they talk about that? It was founded by it and funded by it. They they actually go to another area of of differentiation, talking about colorism, which is something I've never heard of until I started listening to this podcast about a month and a half ago. That as much racism as as is um, alleged to be taking place between white and black people, it's way more between light skinned black and dark skinned oh, yeah. black. And to the point, I'd never even. Why would I ever think to do a search like this? But if you search. Uh, hashtag team light skin and team dark skin on YouTube. It's all over. It's like, it's like a subculture. I never knew it was there. Wow. It's, like, it's really interesting to hear these people talk about each other and it's vicious. It's like, yeah. wow. I mean, I feel kind of awkward, but I want to say, can't we get along here? Yeah. I mean, it's, I I've known about that. I remember, I remember hearing um, the blacks that I was in school with when I was like in junior high and high school that they would talk about each other very much in terms of what shade and oh man if if there was a black person that had hazel eyes i mean it, it was weird because um they they regarded lighter skin um smoother hair and especially having hazel eyes as being very very attractive but there was also this this you know hate and you know the the dark skin that the lighter skin blacks would insult the darker skin blacks and call them all kinds of i mean names that i've names and pejoratives and and epithets that i've never heard any white person ever say to a black person because they were dark skinned and mocking them about being just off the boat and i it was it was it was hardcore and then the other thing is, is you look at the skin skin lightening cream is a massive massive thing i didn't even i didn't even realize this there are black people especially black women and gay black men who are who are michael jacksoning themselves it's it's crazy and they also they they also get they also get um um the colored contacts too some of them have have brown eyes, but they're so desperate to have hazel eyes that they go get colored contacts. And you can you can generally pick that out because it's usually a person whose skin is just a little bit too dark to have to be paired with, um, you know, which, what what is clearly a recessive trait of having, you know, light eyes. It just it stands out. It doesn't quite work, but they do that. And 
And there's entire, there's an entire genre. There's a, I think we linked to this years ago, like when we first started the podcast, 2017 or something like this, there's a documentary and I think it's on YouTube it's called Good Hair. And it's all about black people obsessing about their hair, the texture of their hair, relaxing the hair, not relaxing the hair. Do you wear it in dreads? What do you do? Do you try to make it look white? Do you do you not try to make it look white? And then the antagonism and the hatred, um, the love-hate, because, you know, a, a, they're like Beyonce can get a $2,500 relaxed job on her hair or a weave or something like that. And it's, you know, f- soft and flowing and beautiful. And the the other black women simultaneously say, oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. But it, but then out, out the other side of their mouth will say, well, she's a race trader and look at her trying to look all white. But that it's, it's, it's so schizophrenic and so sad, you know, um, that they, they themselves are clearly not, <laughs> no pun intended, not comfortable in their own skin. And there's this tremendous internal strife and antagonism that, frankly, a lot of white people, we're not even aware that any of this is going on. You know, it's 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 really strange. I mean, we pick on Irish and redheads, but that's about it. Yeah, that is about it. Redheaded stepchild. Yeah, I, I guess there's a there's a well, but it, I guess there's a similar dynamic with blondes um, that people think that blonde hair is beautiful, but also blondes are are called dumb, you know, so I guess we have a little bit of that, but it's, it's all very strange. Although if you're extremely smart and you're blonde, then it's just a, it's a ticket to being on television. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So we so got, off, th- we got off tap off topic here about uh, how people are going to meet and fall in love and, and get married. They're not. And Oh, we got on it because I said Black Lives Matter, Inc., one of their key platforms is that the nuclear family must be destroyed. Um, This goes hand in glove with this concept. Part of this um, overthrow is that they... We know that Gates, Soros, all of them, they want mass sterilization. They're very open about the fact that if you call the human population, you know, 7.7, billion right now, they're open and they explicitly state that they want to get it to about a billion or maybe a little bit under a billion. Now, you just stop and think about that. They, they want to quickly exterminate seven-eighths of the, of the surface population. Um, the only way you, you can't murder people that fast. There's, there's no way to do that. The only way to do that is mass sterilization. Okay. So what they want, their dream is that all human beings are sterilized except for a very small few. Um, most of them are eugenicists. Bill Gates is a eugenicist. Jeffrey Epstein was a eugenicist. I think that is probably the point of nexus and connection between Bill Gates and Jeffrey Epstein was the eugenics thing. Epstein wanted to, in his on his perv ranch in New Mexico, he wanted to get 100 genetically superior females, little girls, on that ranch. And it was his plan that he was going to impregnate and breed all of them because he considered himself to be um, a a superhuman. He, he considered himself to have superior genetic traits. And so he wanted to impregnate 100 handpicked genetically superior girls on that ranch. And he was going to, he was going to reseed the human race. Um, that, that is probably a key point of nexus between himself and Gates and why Gates was running with him. Um, I think Gates was probably also some species of pervert too, as we've discussed, but you know, the, it's the eugenics. And so ideally they're also going to push really hard to develop a way to gestate a child completely outside the womb. So they want everybody um, sterilized, and then they want the only outlet for human sexuality to be pornography and uh, sex robots. And I, you know, th- this this sounds. 20 years ago, I suppose if I were sitting here saying these things, it would it would sound absolutely insane. People would say this woman is this woman is clearly out of her gourd. 
But, you know, we sit here and we talk about this and you see that, I mean, if you still look at Drudge, it's interesting to look at Drudge to see what the opposition is saying now. It's the, it's the, it's the hub of op- opposition propaganda. There is a sex robot story on Drudge about every 48 hours or so. I mean, just pushing, pushing, pushing the sex robot thing. And yeah, over in Japan, those freaks, they've, they've, been, they've been going after this for, they're leading the charge on the sex robot thing. So yeah, what they want is they want all human beings, most, they want most human beings dead. That's first, remember that. They want most human beings dead. The ones who are left, they do not want them courting falling in love, heaven forfend, getting married or anything like that. In fact, they don't even want, did you see the UK, the National Health Service now recommends that people when they have sex with each other should um, wear masks and avoid speaking to each other? I had seen that that recommendation had come out. I just didn't know it was from the NHS. But then again, that does make sense. The NHS it's national, but it's not very it's not very much of a health service from what I understand. That's right. It's the it's the new pagan religion of the British Isles. Um, so they want oh, and there's another there was another recommendation. Um, I can't remember if it was the NHS or if it was something in the United States that recommended that that people um this is this is kind of gross, but there's um like in public restrooms and things like that, they'll in a in a toilet stall, perverts will go in and they'll cut a hole, a hole about I don't know, I've never even seen one, but I would assume it would be a few inches in diameter. And um, men would go in there and stick their anatomy through this hole, and then another man on the other side of the of the barrier in the bathroom, uh, the partition in the bathroom that has this hole cut in it, would then perform a sodomitical act um, on this male anatomy that's just sticking through this hole. And I believe I believe the slang term for this is called glory holes. Some government um, entity, whether it was US or UK or maybe Germany or Canada, yeah, I think you might be right recommended that people start um perhaps it would be better if you in order in order to maintain social distance maybe you should start using glory holes i mean it's it's absolutely unbelievable what what they want is they want any sexual release um to be completely totally sterile detached from any sort of human relation or interaction whatsoever. So I think they acknowledge, and Satan obviously wants um, um, the mortal sin of self-abuse, the mortal sin of fornication, the mortal sin of sodomy. He wants these things to continue, obviously, because he wants wants mortal sin to continue. But it's now to the point where they want to take all acts of sex or any genital act at all whatsoever and turn it into a completely sub-animal, narcissistic, psychopathic, I, I, I can't even think of a word to describe it, where it's just, I mean, a person a person humping a robot. Um, to call it unnatural doesn't seem strong enough. It's not, it's not even remotely strong enough to say unnatural. It's, it's, it's absolutely satanic. Um, and so that's what they want. They don't want people meeting. They don't want people falling in love. They don't want families. They don't want people raising children. They don't want children to be produced at all. And if the children are produced, they want them produced in some sort of a completely controlled um surrogacy situation, in vitro fertilization with genetic selection and da 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 da. And eventually they, they're gonna want um, babies gestated completely outside the womb in synthetic wombs. And so all of this business where you're looking at this and you're saying, how could how could a young, you know, an 18 year old right now, how could an 18 year old kid have any hope of just of just meeting someone, just just meeting someone that could that they could potentially marry, and 
I say they're they're not, and that's exactly the point. That's exactly the point. They want everyone just living a life of total, complete, isolated, sub subhuman, sub animal masturbation, and that's it. And that's it. Well, on the hopeful point, I would say that if for if somebody really has the intention of getting married. I'm going to steal a line from uh, Ben Shapiro. He was just interviewed by Joe Rogan in the last week or so. And this topic, uh, while not phrased in quite the same way, came up. And, and Shapiro made the point is it, it's it's better if you or hit the way the way he went about this with his wife. First was they decided to get married. Then they decided to go find who they're going to marry. And in, in the traditional world, this kind of follows along with the idea of courting. In other mm-hmm. words, when, when you when you get to that point, you don't, you don't date for the sake of having fun or, or just, I mean, and I don't mean that in, a, in an immoral sense. I mean, just to, you know, go out and, and, and see what happens it, that there's a definite purpose. You decide you're going to get married and then, and it's a very serious, uh, not to say that it has to be, you know, clinical and, and devoid of, 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 um, and any natural, um, what's the right word? Um, friendship or, or, or the, the, the positive elements that come from that. Uh, it's, it's not cold clinic. Well, if, if you're German, maybe it is, I don't know, but, <laughs> but, uh, but there, there's definitely a, a, a mind over emotion aspect of it that, that what's the purpose of marriage and you need to find somebody who has shared values to you. And so if you can find the mass, that's where you're going to find your potential spouse and, Ask around. Priests know other people who are in similar situations. Priests tend to talk to priests. There, I, I know of multiple, many cases, um, not just in SSPX circles, but fraternity circles. I'm sure Institute of Christ the King, they've got their stories on this as well, where some young person is, is looking for their spouse. They're ready um, financially. They're mature enough. They just don't know where the person is. And through the grapevine, they can get connected. Um, that does happen and probably happens quite frequently. And there's probably somebody listening that, that that's how they met as well. Um, then there are other tactics. If you have a group of like a young adults group, something I, I like the idea of, I heard that on a radio commercial out of California and it was, it was for young professionals to be able to meet uh, and, and, but it wasn't, didn't have the pressure of like blind date and they called it table for six. So you mm-hmm. have three guys, three girls, and you're not pairing with anybody. But the yeah. fact that it's a group and, and a group dynamic, you get a chance to meet the entire group. And right. if, if you if you realize you're clicking with somebody, um, clue that, you know, follow up on that clue. But it also, if you've got a, a large enough young adults group, you can keep scrambling that, that group of six um, over time. And, and, and you, you have the natural chaperoning built in right to that, but it's not pressured. So exactly. that's, that's, that, one, that, that's one way to do it. If, and if you don't have it, family. But that can, it depends on the family and their expectations. I mean, some people look at, at um, company keeping or courtship as pre-engagement. And it's like, no, there, you, you need to um, not have the expectation that this will automatically turn into an engagement and, it, and, and there will be a wedding. Some people just aren't compatible and they need to have the freedom to figure that out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing... Another point, and you know, who the hell am I to be giving advice on any of this? I mean, I was just thinking as you were saying that that table of six thing, that sounds really logical to me. Um, uh, to my knowledge, to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever been on a date in my life. I have never, I have never gone anywhere alone with a man where the thought process was, I, we are discerning a romantic, I don't think I've ever been on a date in my life. And in a certain sense, that's kind of, that's kind of sad. I've been on group things and, you know, made friends and so on and so forth, but I don't think I've ever done that. Um, And, but one, one dynamic that I do find troubling, and I see a lot of it kind of in Anglo trad circles, and it's, it's, it's the fault of the women, it seems to me, is that there's this, this dynamic and this thought process that um, husbands are to be, are to be hunted and caught, you know, and you have to, well, you know, you have to, after the first date, be kind of aloof and, you know, make him, make him make the, make the next contact and don't, don't appear too interested. And I, I just look at things like that and I look at damage that it's done. I look at, I look at, 
girls that have that have screwed things up for themselves. Uh, listening to that kind of advice of um, pretending to not be interested in a guy who was clearly interested in them because they had read some trad Catholic um, dating advice woman who said, oh, no, never let on that you're interested. Always be aloof. Um, Things like that, because you've got to catch a husband. You've got to, you know, you've got to stalk him. You've got to hunt him and you've got to catch him. And I just I look at things like that and it's it's enraging to me because you know what? I respect men too much to think of them as some sort of an animal that's to be hunted and caught. Um, take, take my advice on this for what it's worth. This, you know, as I sit here, a complete spinster. Um, but it seems to me that the way a young woman should comport herself is that she should be sincere. She should be friendly and she should strive in all things to be virtuous and that's it. You know, that's just be yourself and be good and don't try to manipulate people. And especially don't try to manipulate some guy that you that you think you might want to marry. What the hell kind of a foundation for a marriage is that? I, I tricked you. I tricked you into marrying me. I, I stalked you. I tricked you. And then I caught you. Uh, that, that's that's absolutely horrible. That's just awful. Be yourself. Be sincere. That's that's the advice that I that's the only advice I could give a young woman, it seems to me. And I, I can't I can't imagine how that can be wrong. I, I, you know, again, I don't know. I'm the last person to ask, I reckon, but it seems to me don't be a don't be a manipulative <laughs> don't be a manipulative man chaser seems to me to be pretty good advice. Yeah, and and not following advice like that doesn't mean you're being desperate or or um too too easy to get to know or or not 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 having standards. Um there there's obviously a happy medium there. I mean, again, if you make the decision that the purpose of this is to end up in marriage, then you need to be thinking about okay, what 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 kind of person is going to be the appropriate match for me? Uh-huh. If, if if it's somebody who really enjoys mental games, then maybe do all that stuff. I don't know. To me, I think that, <laughs> that's, a, that's I, a bad sign in and of itself. I think though. it would be mentally exhausting. But you know, I've I've heard the phrase "every lid has a kettle," so maybe that maybe that works for somebody. <laughs> and the the other thing I I would say, and I think that it, we've probably talked about this before on the podcast, but it's probably been a while. Is um, the man should be equally as intelligent and and ideally a little bit more or quite a bit more intelligent than the female. It does not work the other way around. You cannot have a woman who is more intelligent with a man who is less intelligent. Parity can work, but that to have that that ordin that ordinance inverted and to have the woman be significantly more intelligent than the husband, that's just that's a recipe for disaster and it, it's it's not gonna work. I'm trying to think if there if I can think of examples to the contrary, and I can think of a couple. But um, in terms of saying would I contradict what you're saying, not entirely. Um, I just never really thought about it in that perspective. I don't know if that means I'm just arrogant and have a high opinion of my own intellectual ability. But um, I mean, the man is the man is the head of the marriage in the household. How does it work if the wife who who needs to be subjugated to her husband? How does how is that not going to cause terrible problems if the wife is, you know, has got 20 IQ points on the guy? It's it's going to cause it's going to cause existential problems. Either that or if she respects that he has the final word and he respects her intelligence and relies on her for advice. I mean, this just gets 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 back to how well do you operate as a couple? Mm-hmm. Do you do you actually have compatibility? Do you have common interests? Can you? mesh well if if she's you know phd level intelligence and and you're not but that doesn't mean you're adult i mean you can you can definitely have situations where okay the the guy's running the house or maybe in the in a case like that if she's a phd mathematician honey you get to balance the checkbook um but things like that but it's not a matter of i'm deferring everything to the wife at that point you rely on her for her expertise Um, i'm not going to try to figure out how to i'm not going to make decisions about sewing 
Um, I, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's, that's setting aside whether or not I could ever learn as much and be better at it than my wife if I tried. I'm just, that's not an area I'm going to try. I'm not going to get into. And so for certain things, I'm just, I'm going to have to rely on my wife's judgment for things. Mm-hmm. And if, and if it was a situation where my wife was, um, I don't know, 30, 40 IQ points higher on, on something like this, I would simply recognize this and say, Hey, this is an asset in the marriage. Now, I, I, I'm going to have the final say in this as the husband, and if that's a problem, you need to figure that out long before you exchange vows. Yeah. You know, it, if, it's, if it's something where, where the woman is recognized she's smarter and she's, she's not going to be okay with, um, yes, I've given my opinion, but you're not taking it now, and I'm smarter and I'm, I'm right, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's the problem to watch out yep. for. It's it's yeah. it's not the intelligence. It's the attitude of I've got to have my way, and you don't need to have IQ points on the guy to have that that problem. That you probably have seen it a lot. Oh well, I mean clearly. I mean it's 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 a difficult thing. And what I would go back to is if the woman is that much smarter than the man, than the man, what did they really have in common? to start with what what was the point of connection and i think if you would go back in a lot of these examples where you have a situation where the woman is smarter than the man you would see that the initial point of connection between the two people was something that was probably disordered and inappropriate so um you know, it's it's kind of awkward to talk about these things, but if it could save someone a lifetime of of misery, <laughs> then I think it's it's definitely something that needs to be talked about. And and especially now that you know Satan is just actively trying to just destroy basically all human relationship, all of it, so that we're all just completely isolated. It make this hell on earth, literally hell on earth. There is no relationship in hell. There is no charity in hell. There are no alliances. There is nothing. All there is is anger, hatred, jealousy, and fear. The damned rage at God, at at all of the angels and saints in heaven. They rage at each other. They rage at the demons. It's just total isolation and perpetual rage. And, you know, that's a... One of the really chilling things to think about is, you know, people engage in in fornication and divorce and remarriage and and sodomy and things like that. And they keep saying, well, I love this person. I love this person. And as I do, if you really love this person, then you'll stop and think about the fact that if you both end up in hell, you're going to spend all of eternity raging at each other, raging the the man who who is remarried and is an, in a in a invalid marriage and is committing mortal sin he will rage at his uh putative wife in hell and call her every despicable name in the book you whore why did you do this you tricked me da, da, da. if you really love that person then you need to stop and think about do i want to spend all of eternity hating this person and raging at them because that's what hell is going to be. And you know what? They're going to be, if they're there too, they're going to be hating you and raging at you and blaming you. Why did you, why didn't you tell me, why did you allow this to happen? And that to me is one of the most terrifying thoughts is not, not just the being in hell, but raging eternally at God, um, at all of all of the people that you putatively love now who are in the beatific vision and raging at other people that that you that you claim today that you love raging at them in hell i mean that's that is that is the stuff of nightmares truly truly speaking of nightmares i see that uh, father jonathan morris has an engagement oh my gosh what a train wreck i've been asked to comment on this because you know there's the whole, that's all connected to, he married Liz Lev and Father Thomas Williams, and Williams and Morris grew up together, and it was, <clears throat> comment on this. All right, first, here, here's the first thing. Normally, in a situation like this, where this this priest of the Legion of Christ, who had himself laicized within the last year, um, 
normally when when I would see this announcement of of him and boy he he really likes designer cl- trendy designer clothing and and having his picture taken and all kinds of things like that um I would look at this and I would say to the woman, oh, sweetheart, oh, my dear, you need to run away. You need to run in the opposite direction as fast as you can because this is this is not what you think it is. You need to run away. Um, and then I look and I read the article and the, the gal that he is putatively engaged to is a late thirties has worked her entire adult life and career in the um, mainstream news media in New York city. This gal, this gal knows what's up. She's, she's worked in uh, broadcast news journalism for years and years and years and years. And broadcast news is as saturated with gay men as like Broadway or ballet or, you know, hairdressing or florists. It's, it's that level of completely converged to, to gay men, the on-air talent. I think this chick probably knows what's up. Um, so, you know, the notion that we need to be warning her about this, I think she's probably aware of what the situation is and is fine with it, you know? Um, and yes, I, I have received very reliable confirmation that Father Jonathan Williams has extraordinarily severe six commandment issues. Um, Jonathan so, Morris or Jonathan Williams? Jonathan Morris, sorry. Tom, it's Father Thomas Williams who's married to Liz Lev. It's Father Jonathan Morris is this guy who, who married Levin Williams um, and has now just announced that he's engaged. So he he announces that he is dumping the priesthood and walking away and then he is engaged inside of a year he basically gets engaged to the first woman that he that he trips over and will have anything to do with them so then i see people are asking i, I wonder if she's catholic um what 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 an interesting question i wonder if she's catholic let's let's lay our cards on the table a woman who's Catholic would have nothing to do with a priest. I, I don't care if he's laicized or not. I mean, seriously, you all ladies out there listening, pretend, pretend you are a, you're an unmarried woman. You meet a guy. You think, wow, this guy's really great. He's really cool. He's really nice. And then, you know, he, you, get, you get into where you're courting with him. He says, oh, by the way, you should know. I'm a laicized priest. I was a priest for 20 years and I just got laicized not too long ago. That that's the end of it. That's the end of it right there. That's like him telling you that I'm married. Okay? So it, it no, it doesn't matter that you're laicized. See, this is where the modern mind, even among a lot of trads, can't don't the the whole notion of the priesthood and celibacy and all of this laicization business, this has all become so corrupt that even trad Catholics are completely unsound on this. They say, well, he's laicized. So he's he's free. He can he can get married. Okay, folks, up until basically Liz Lev and Thomas Williams in 2013, when a priest was laicized, the understanding was was that he was laicized and able to marry the mother of his bastard children. That is what that was all about. So you're free to marry your concubine, who is the mother of your children, so that you can do right by her and your children, and your children can be raised with a mother and father. And you go away, you go far away, and you keep your head down. And ideally, when you move far away and, and you start a new life, the people in your surrounding community don't even know that you were a laicized priest. You keep that all on the down low in order to prevent people from being scandalized. That was up until literally within the last decade, that was basically the understood situation with the laicization and releasing from um, vows of celibacy so that they could marry. You marry your baby mama to do right by her and the kids. It's not, 
I'm going to get laicized. And oh my gosh, you guys, I'm on the dating scene now. Oh, I'm going to post some pictures. Look, this is my girlfriend. Look, I mean, this is, this is absolutely incomprehensible. And who broke ground on this? It was that, that wretched, wretched woman, Liz Lev and father Thomas Williams, who Williams was going to be exposed because he was having sex with his students at Regina Apostolorum. And Levin Williams didn't want him to be laicized. They wanted him to become a curial bishop. And now we all are seeing why, because we see the massive financial corruption inside the Vatican. And they, Levin Williams wanted Williams to be elevated to become a curial bishop and be able to tap harder into that Vatican corrupt money flow. Well, he's a, a group of legionary people um, write up a dossier. Everybody knew that Levin Williams, Levin Williams carried on openly and everybody knew that Williams was the father of, of um, Lev's Down syndrome boy. Everybody knew that. It, w- it was a totally open secret. What the dossier that the ex-Legion of Christ people put together and delivered to the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith was that Williams was having sex with his students at Regina Apostolorum, where he was the dean of the Department of Moral Theology. That's why Williams cut and run. That's why he got laicized and married her. They didn't, they didn't care. They didn't care either way. They were completely content to go on the way they were, hoping that he would be able to jump on that, that Curia money train even harder. Um, okay, so he cuts and runs. He, he gets laicized and is released from his bow- vows of celibacy literally like three days before their wedding. So they do all this. And I mean, I, I just keep asking the people who are involved in this, say, oh, it's so wonderful. It's so nice. How in the hell do you even discern marriage if you're not released from your vows? How can you be going on romantic dates and posting pictures on the Internet of you on romantic dates with your putative fiance when you haven't even been released, from, you haven't been laicized and you haven't been, been released from your vows of celibacy. How can you be raising, asking people to give you cash gifts for your wedding when you haven't even been laicized yet and have not been released from your vows of celibacy? How is that even morally possible? It's not morally possible. That's the point. So Father Jonathan Morris and Williams grew up together and were co-toadies in the, in the uh, Legion of Christ sex cult. And so Morris married um, Levin Williams, also in St. Patrick's in New York, um, where, which is where Jonathan Morris is going to have his, his glorious wedding to this, to this woman, this poor woman. But like I said, she's probably not that poor. She probably knows what's up. Um, and it's all this, this act, this criminal, amoral, narcissistic, me, 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 um, just completely, totally crapping all over the priesthood. I mean, you see what frauds these people are and have been all along. What's interesting, um, years ago, Frank Walker on his blog, Stumbling Block, there's a piece over there that kind of tells all the backstory about Levin Williams and how Williams baptized his own child in order to cover his tracks. I mean, we're talking about stuff that is so depraved it's it's just unbelievable, unbelievable. But it's interesting. There's quite a comment thread that's kind of still active after years on that piece. And there's people cropping up who are saying, you know what? That guy was my spiritual director. T- Thomas Williams was my spiritual director when I did a when I did a semester abroad in Rome. And you know what? He was totally creepy, and he was he was constantly trying to to get me to. Um, go and give Liz Lev money and go on tours and buy her food and, and crap like this. And that's the same thing with Jonathan Williams. Jonathan Williams was a parish priest. He was a, um, he was, you know, giving people spiritual direction. And you just stop and look at this and you realize this guy has absolutely no faith whatsoever and probably never did. I mean, he's, he's just walked away from the priesthood 
He's married. He's marrying the first woman that he could get to go along with this. Um, she's, oh, by the way, if you look her up, um, Jonathan Morris's fiance, super hard left, super hard left. The hell does, I mean, what is Jonathan Morris hard left and has been all along, but he was playing the conservative because he was in the Legion of Christ thing. And he wanted to be on Fox News as, as Mr. Mr. Conservative Priest. Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I think what's what's coming to light in in the past six months, especially, is just how fake this all is. How fake the the left right. I mean, we a lot of people have been talking about this for years and years, but I mean, it's really coming to a head now. How fake the news media is. How fake the left right distinctions and paradigms are. These people, they it's just it's all complete BS to them, and. Um, so he's he's engaged this woman who's super duper hard left. Do you think that they're going to be living any sort of a virtuous Catholic married life? I mean, almost, almost certainly not. I mean, and and even if you even if you assume that Jonathan Morris is straight as an arrow and is totally heterosexual, even if you give him that, do we honestly think that this is going to be a virtuous Catholic marriage? I think the chances of that are very, very slim. Looking at her political, uh, her political leanings and her persuasions. So it's um, needless to say, it's it's completely, totally tragic. Uh, we should pray for these people. Obviously, that somehow they they repent of all of this. Pray for the priesthood, and um, it, it seems. Um, perhaps I'm speaking too soon here. The whole um, Bergoglio's attack on priestly celibacy has been largely sidelined now because of the Corona scam. Uh, but who knows? I mean, this fall he he might try to drop some bombshell and 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 try to make some fake declaration releasing priests from their vows, but we, we have to keep, keep on this and keep praying and um, keep talking about this and shaming these people. Again, who is it? It's your 75 year old boomer Karens who are the ones leading out there. Oh, that's so wonderful. I'm so happy for you in this new exciting phase in your life. I mean, this is, this is just egregious, horrific scandal and sin. Um, and the fact that it's just being that it's being celebrated by putatively conservative people who would call themselves conservative Catholics is just is just nauseating. The question of whether or not they're going to have a virtuous and holy marriage makes me think: Has um, Theodore McCarrick even gone to church since he was kicked out of the priesthood? I doubt it. Why would he? Just the whole you know exposing people for for not believing. Well, actually, he was living, he was living in the Capuchin Monastery at Victoria, Kansas for a while. And there was a big kerfuffle because there's a school, there's a school attached to that, that Cathedral of the Plains and that monastery, that friary, I should say. And um, I think I saw something that McCarrick would go and would attend mass the there in the friary, but uh, has, yeah, I mean, why, why would a man like that go to mass? If the only reason he might go to mass is because I think he's, I think he's probably a Satanist. He might go to mass to like try to mock God or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. But um, yeah. Well, I'm not saying Jonathan Morris is, is that degree of evil or not even saying is evil per se, just uh, not an example to follow, but yeah, it probably would not be a big surprise if um, he and his future wife um, don't really go to Mass that often. Of course, then again, that would make them an average Catholic. Well, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, even before the situation, that would make them an average Catholic. Um, it's just, it's all it's all for for show. It's all for money. I mean, I think, I think Morris probably just determined that he had there was there was more money available to him being a um, on air talent with Fox News or whatever that there was more money available to him and so there just there wasn't any reason in his mind for him to continue to continue on with the priesthood he it was it it was just a stepping stone it's the ne- it's the next step in his career you know 
he, most Americans have a, have a pretty significant career change at, you know, forties, fifties, something like that. Well, that's his, he, he had played it and had enough and that's that. So, and that there's another interesting thing and I could, oh, I could kick myself. A reader emailed me, um, I don't know, year, year and a half ago, or no, it, it was, it was not long after Jonathan Morris announced that he was quitting the priesthood. So it's been about a year ago. Um, a reader emailed me and she said, you need to listen to this interview that Father Jonathan Morris did on the Sirius XM radio gay channel. Morris's sister is a lesbian who is fake married to another woman. Morris, who um, was who also had a show on the Catholic channel of Sirius XM radio appeared on the gay channel with his sister and were interviewed for like an hour. Morris said, and I, Oh, I could kick myself because it's been deleted. They've, they've scrubbed it off, off the archive. Why didn't I capture it myself or have super nerd captured or something so that this thing would still exist for posterity? Jonathan Morris, Father Jonathan Morris at that time, because it's been the the interview was recorded years ago. Father Jonathan Morris said explicitly that the um, the trope hate the sin, love the sinner is not correct, that sexuality is intrinsic to a person's constitution as a human being and therefore in order to love a person, you have to love their sexuality as well. I mean, flat out, total, complete heresy. Total public declaration of his belief in the ratification of sodomy and sexual perversion. And he was explicit about it. And again, I'm just kicking myself. Um, what I'll do is I will find, I'll find the dead link um, and we'll put, <laughs> for just to prove the point, we'll put the dead link in the show notes. And then if anyone else can maybe hunt, hunt this thing down, um, I can't find it anywhere else, but then um, my, um, I'm, I'm average at internet search hunting skills. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are, that can find almost anything. Um, we'll put this in the show notes. And if anybody can find a bootleg copy of this interview, it's, it's something very interesting that people need to be aware of. And, uh, send, if you do find it, send it to podcast at barnhart.biz and I'll see if I can, uh, snag it and mirror it. Yep, absolutely. But I'll send, I'll send you the dead link right now. Okay. And uh, what's next? Let's see. The notes say the ordinance of procession of charity and truth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so huge, huge thing that people say, especially in the context of, of wearing the Masonic face diapers, people are screaming and yelling at people that it's, a, it's, it's about charity. It's about love of other people. You wear the mask for the love of, of others. That is, that is wrong. And the reason why that is wrong is because when you're talking about charity, it has to proceed out of a base of truth. A lot of people just superficially on the surface might say that charity is the foundation of everything. And then truth springs out of charity. That is exactly wrong. That is wrong truth is the foundational premise. Because remember, truth is our Lord himself. Truth is, is the second person of the triune Godhead. Truth is Jesus. Jesus is the truth. So you start with that base of Jesus, of the truth. Out of that proceeds charity. So how does this apply to face masks? The face masks are evil, satanic. They don't do anything. They're disgusting. They're filthy. They, um, they're harmful to you because they increase your CO2 uptake and et cetera, et cetera. We all, we all know this. We, we've talked about this. Okay. Oh, and they're also, they're also a mind control device. They're dehumanizing. They're, they're Luciferian. Okay. So that is 
the truth. That is the base premise. How do you have charity proceed out of that? You don't. Okay. We've got every, everything is completely backwards. People saying you wear the mask out of charity is working from a false base premise that the mask is a good thing, that the mask actually helps, um, et cetera, et cetera. That's a lie. So now, now we're getting into eighth commandment issues where we're bearing false witness. And then Satan is lyingly coming in, jumping on those lies about the mask, and then trying to claim that charity proceeds out of of this lying-based premise that the masks are a good thing. So this is why when people are screaming at you, you have to do this out of charity. You have to do this out of fraternal charity. You come back and say, absolutely not, because it's rooted in a lie. It is a violation of the Eighth Commandment to say that these masks do anything. It's a violation of the Eighth Commandment to say that there's even a pandemic. There's a chest cold. There's a chest cold. And people are dying in nursing homes and people with severe comorbidities are dying of it. And one of the big reasons that they're dying from it is because they're being refused effective treatment, which exists. Hydroxychloroquine. Hey, um, there are things that could be done. And, And a lot of people are being murdered by ventilator. There is no pandemic. That's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. The the notion that the mask does anything, that's a violation of the Eighth Commandment. So your base premise is a lie. Charity cannot proceed from a lie. Charity cannot proceed from a lie. And whether something is true or false, that is antecedent to, to the whole question of charity. So that's an, that's uh, the same concept applies as we were talking about earlier to like invalid uh, marriages or sodomy or whatever, where people say, well, I love so-and-so. I love so-and-so. No, love cannot proceed from a lie. Um, love cannot proceed from this lying situation of fornication. It cannot proceed from a lying situation of adultery. It cannot proceed from a lying situation of sexual perversion and narcissism. Charity cannot proceed from a lie. So you've got to get your processions straight. And this is one of the most important questions of our day. Just, just always remember, come back to the fact that the truth is a person. The truth is our Lord. And that, that will make it clear in your mind, okay, what comes first? He comes first. First commandment. God comes first, and then everything comes from him, including charity, including love. Absolutely. And I wasn't expecting you to stop just yet. <laughs> I was I was scanning down uh, the, the other list of questions. Last time we had an Ask Ann episode, there were several questions that never got asked simply because we ran out of time. But I don't think any of them really. Um, I, I don't. I don't know if any of them are really appropriate at this point in time. I mean, and, and it's okay. We're, we've done a snack pack. We're at an hour, so that's true. It's an hour, just over an hour. That's the small edition. Just an, instead the of small, an hour forty-five. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the the brief Barnhart podcast. Yes. Well, what in the world are we going to call a twenty-minute podcast if we ever do those? Um. <laughs> I, okay, uh, if we if we ever do that, then I guess we'll, we'll come up with a name for it at a, that point. A cheese it or a, you know, a single Pringle, <laughs> a single Pringle. <laughs> the keto podcast? I don't know. Yeah. Okay, well, I guess we can do the wrap up then. Uh, the email address of the podcast, if you have uh, feedback, suggestions, questions, comments, or you know how to find the com- the the content from the dead link, the email address is podcast at barnhart.biz. Anne expresses her profound gratitude to her benefactors at least one Mass every single day, plus one traditional Catholic Latin Requiem Mass for everyone who died the previous week. And please take a moment to join your prayers with the intentions of these priests who are celebrating these Masses. Please pray for these priests and all priests, because without these priests, we don't get the sacraments. And without our prayers, these priests are going to have a much harder time as well. Not that we really move the needle that much, but it it definitely helps. I mean, the communion of saints and and the the efficiency of prayer it definitely it definitely helps i mean the priests are under attack from their own diocese from half the time these days mm-hmm. so knowing knowing that uh you know send send a note to the priest and remind him hey we're praying for you and and um you know thank you for giving us the sacraments all these things um 
add up and definitely help. The Barnhart Podcast is a production of Super Nerd Media. If you found something of value in this or previous episodes and would like to return some value, please visit supernerdmedia.com. And I want to thank uh, Michael and Richard for sending something through the mail. And uh, that was the only donation over since the last, um, since the 4th of July. That's okay. Uh, That's okay. Expenses are still pretty low. Probably going to have, uh, <laughs> yeah, th- thanks to the massive backup at the IRS, uh, still trying to get 2019 taxes finished. And um, then we'll get the, um, get everything sorted out with st- setting up the new PayPal account. That is coming. And that means that the DVDs will be available for sale again soon. Actually, they're, they're available for sale now. You just have to send the, send the check. Um, but you know, just email me if, if you have questions about that or want to get, get the DVDs. Um, that wraps up my spiel, uh, Matthew seventeen twenty. Matthew seventeen twenty. Fast twice a week if you can, and pray every day without without ceasing. Fourfold intention that Bergoglio, anti-pope Bergoglio, be publicly recognized and removed as anti-pope, and that the whole thing be nullified. That Pope Benedict Ratzinger be publicly recognized as having been the one and only living pope since April of 2005. That Bergoglio repent, revert to Catholicism, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time in the fullness of time and achieve the beatific vision someday. And that Pope Benedict um, repent of anything he might need to repent of, um, die in a state of grace in the fullness of time and someday achieve the beatific vision. I had an email, someone pointed out to me that within, I think it's within the next month sometime, Pope Benedict is going to um, surpass, I think it's Leo the 13th and become the oldest living Pope ever which is pretty cool. 90, 93 years, four months, something or other. So um, he's, uh, <laughs> he's hanging in there and, and God is giving him time and giving all of us time to pray and work and get the situation resolved as best we can. We got to keep working. You don't throw up your hands and walk away from this. It's all the more urgent with each passing day. We got to get this fixed. We got to get this fixed. We got to get this fixed. Operate on the assumption that we can and will. And if, if you know, if there's supernatural intervention and all that kind of stuff, great. And however the divine providence unfolds, I mean, it's going to be fascinating and it's going to be awesome. Um, but we got to keep working. We got to keep working and, and keep praying. So that's what we're doing. In the fullness of time, that that keeps, that, that's an interesting phrase that keeps coming back to, to mind. And in terms of this podcast, it has reached its fullness of time. So until next time, I am Super Nerd. And I'm Anne. Thanks, guys. God bless. That was a nice little conclusion. That was good. <laughs>